0: The Incomparable, number two hundred eleven, September twenty fourteen.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we're joined here today for a little bit different kind of episode. We're going to be talking about uh, it's not a draft. I know that's shocking to many of you. It's instead what we've been calling the TV reboot pitch session, where we will um, my my associated panelists will and I will be. Pitching TV shows um, that we think should come back and how they should come back. So let me introduce my fine guest to you tonight, who will be pitching to our imaginary TV network that has access to all old intellectual property. David Lohr, hi. Hello there. Are you prepared? I, I am prepared. I have notes. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Moises Chuyan is out there. Hi, Moises. Hi, Jason. Are you uh, prepared?
2: I hope for I hope you're ready for a lot of things involving mustaches.
1: (laughs) I'm always ready for some things involving mustaches. Andy and Iko is also out there. Andy, are you prepared to reboot something?
3: Uh, I I am prepared. I I will say that I'm probably not as prepared as what I now think the rest of you are, Uh, but this is going to be a Hollywood-style pitch where we have a long-standing relationship with my production company. We're all casual right here, and we can just sort of work things out.
1: Also joining us is Mr. Philip Michaels. Hello.
0: Are you prepared? Oh, no. Yes, I'm prepared. I have have as many as two browser tabs open.
1: That's research. (laughs) You're putting David Lord to shame there. All right, well, we should get started. This is, again, uh, it is not a draft, I know, and that is shocking. And um, I'm expecting that the other panelists may want to jump in at some point and ask questions, and that's fine. And if they want to do their own alternate pitch, go for it. But we're going to let everybody do their initial pitch as if they were in the room with the fictional TV executives. So Uh, who would like to go first?
2: Jason, can can I request that Phil get to go first because he, he said before we started that he's prepared backups. Okay. Just, just cause <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think any of us want to step on Phil's toes. I pass <laughs> courteously. <laughs> uh,
1: let's go to David lore.
4: Okay. Well, you know, I was thinking about shows that I, you know, that I wrote spec scripts for and things that I'd like to see again. But most of those I would just want to bring back as is You know, I wouldn't reboot them So much as just start them um, I thought about, you know Maybe an hour-long musical About the ennui that sets in with a long-running Broadway show and call it After Smash But no <laughs> um,
0: Well, there goes my idea Thanks!
4: <laughs> yeah. See? Um, and no mustaches yet um, But a couple of years ago I, I got to thinking about this This was a show that I I had the lunchbox when I was in kindergarten because my grandparents thought I liked the show. And I guess I watched it. And I came back to it many years later. I had the action figures. I had the playset. Space 1999. And the thing is, I mean, a couple of years ago I, I saw that someone was trying to get the rights to do it and call it Space 2099. And it's like, that doesn't sound right. If you're going to change the name, just do something original by that point. So then I thought, well, how would you do it without changing the name? So I thought, well, all right. What if we have like a, you know, do like Battlestar Galactica, do a mini series, right? If you just get to tell the one story, you tell the one story. So it starts off. Um, well, I guess I should give a little background for the show, right? It's set on the moon in the far future year of 1999. The base was run by Commander John Koenig, played by Martin Landau, and Dr. Helena Russell, Barbara Bain. Uh, They were sort of a couple. I don't think they ever explicitly made the characters a couple, but it was kind of implied since they were married in real life. And uh, basically, in in the first episode, there's a nuclear explosion. It might be sabotage. And the moon is blasted out of the Earth's orbit... And basically becomes the Starship Enterprise and goes across the galaxy and finds new planets, and it's very exciting.
1: That's good physics right there. That's solid physics. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. And, and everything else back on Earth is going to be fine, and, you know, they'll come back to Earth someday, and they'll find it just in, you know. So, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's not exactly great TV. So I thought, all right, well, how do you keep the name, and how do you get rid of the, the silliness of ripping the Earth out of its, uh, ripping the moon out of the Earth's orbit— and turning it into a spaceship. And I thought, well, all right, you start where you're at this planet. It's the year 1999. And they're, they're building an arc ship that is of moon size and shape. And it's just out past the moon's orbit. And you find out that, well, this is a, a planet that's in trouble, right? The The environment is collapsing. The... Uh, Upper classes are financing and funding this and building this, and they're planning to escape, kind of Atlas Shrugged style. And as this is going on, as they're preparing it, there's an act of sabotage, and it blows that out of range. At the same time, it knocks the moon out of its orbit and causes a mass extinction event on this planet. And we find out that it's not Earth. So as it as this sort of basically takes that setup and, you know, it's still run by commander John Koenig and it travels and it travels and it discovers a planet that looks very similar to their planet and it's earth. And the weird thing is on earth, it's the year 2049. There's no space program. There's no exploration. There's no anything because they gave up and people that are missing from our hero's timeline, our hero's existence, you know, Commander John Koenig runs the station, but his Helena Russell died years before. On Earth, there's Dr. Helena Russell, but the the John Koenig, she knew, died years before. So you have this sort of underlying mystery of why are there parallels? Why are there timelines out of sync? You know, it's 50 years off. And so while they're sort of getting to know each other, boom, another sabotage. They're blown out of the orbit, and it affects the moon around our Earth. And as part of the second half of the miniseries, they have to figure out how to basically save the Earth and themselves. And from there, it sort of goes forward as they, you know, they have a way of... Propelling this thing through space. It's not the moon. It's an actual ship. It just happens to be shaped like the moon. Um, you know, it's like, it's sort of like, eh. but, but, you know, you get to do all your That's Star Trek. That's no moon. That's no moon. Uh, you get to have all your Star Trek strange new world stuff. You get to have the underlying mysteries of those disconnects and parallels and why did they happen and what's going on. And, you know, maybe you get to the end of the first season They discover another Earth. Now what's going on? I don't know. Um, But it just sort of seemed interesting to me to have that as your mystery and to sort of take the point of view of this other planet as, you know, that's where we start so you can sort of step back and look at humanity that way, like Roddenberry liked to do. So, in in, in a sense, to our heroes, the the Earthmen are the aliens. So, there you go. It's not an elevator pitch, but it's at least not the thirty paragraphs I wrote out a couple of years ago.
1: It's interesting. Now when you told me this pitch in uh San Diego a while ago, I, I suggested my alternate version of Space 1999. Do you mind if I throw that out there? Well, I, I was gonna say that was before I had found all the notes,
4: because it's I've had this for a couple of years now. So so that's more worked out than I told you back then. Um but I like your solution because it's more sciencey or science
1: fiction endorsement by the way (laughs) that's the technical science it's
0: space 1999 meets cosmos yes
1: (laughs) interesting with animations interesting so my my pitch is that there's a actual um astronomical phenomenon called the rogue planet where there are the planets that are not tied into solar systems and that they're uh you know this this rogue planet is is shooting along um and comes through our solar system and rips the the moon out of its orbit, which actually could happen and it lays waste to the Earth so what happens is is the moon is taken away and the people on the moon base are taken away from the earth and I don't know whether they're going to go into outer space like deep space or whether they're going to be in a weird orbit around our sun in the end but there's opportunity for them to discover what else is on the moon discover what mysteries are down on the rogue planet and then also potentially have survivors from earth who have fled who are trying to chase after the moon because the earth has been laid waste and they know that there's a survivable base on the moon and there's a bunch of kind of stuff that could go on so that was my and then you probably have to call us space 2099 because really it's 1999 already happened yeah my,
4: my one challenge was trying to keep the name and how do you explain that right
0: you could pull a galactica 1980 and have people travel back in time from the future into the present world of 1999
4: well you know kent mccord isn't doing anything right now yeah sure you
0: get sort of a farscape crossover
3: would there still be like a dark side of the moon that we never get to see, and you're sort of holding that off for like your end of season three like big reveal? Yeah, that would work. Like it turns out there were these there's like a huge like mall of America like covering the entire thing, and like, <laughs> wow, there are taco bells, there's McDonald's, there' are, like pants stores everywhere. Why did we never bother to check? Oh yeah, hey, I you know, I don't have this mapped out like lost. That so. would also hook into the, to the plot point of like the people from Earth wanting to find it because they're probably going to run out of pants at, at some point.
4: And there may be – there might be an Orange Julius over there.
3: OK. Maybe they don't have a gap. It's just an old, old Navy store. But even like $20 really cheap as crap jeans, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Can, oh, yeah.
2: can some network hire Andy Anaco as an executive? Because I like your notes.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'm uh, As a creative professional, I pride myself on being that idiot executive who will be saying, OK, I mean, Pixar, you're great. I just need you to walk me through the idea that there are cars on the planet. Did there used to be humans? Are you going to ask about this question or not? Or maybe I'm just not getting it. So
2: fossil fuels exist. So this is a world in which dinosaurs existed and
3: cars have evolved to be the dominant life I'm just getting hung up on the fact that these people have seats in them. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. If there are seats inside
2: these living beings, what's supposed to sit on those
3: seats? What's the purpose of the seats? great pitch Won't we back burn right, this before we talk go about on Story if, if, there, if
0: there are talking cars in david's pitch then i'm all for it
4: so the thing i like about andy's notes is think of all the opportunities for product placement
3: <laughs> there you go this, just uh, just like look, look what Babylon 5 did for Zema. one neon sign I, the, the part that Chuck I have to pick apart Subway. what I have to pick apart in
1: Andy's suggestion there is that he suggested that we um that we would find that out in season three and we know for a fact that no tv show would be able to resist that for like halfway through season one probably right They're oh yeah play that out would the be your, your mid-season
3: finale
4: yeah because because we have mid-season finales now why
3: I don't know how about now? Now I'm, I'm just going to you know this. There are no bad suggestions. We're all here in a, in a pitch meeting. All right. What if we were make to make it like the nineteen the, the, the future version of the MetLife blimp, and it's like Coca-Cola has like has this big floating space platform that keeps the logo up there, and then it, that's what gets blasted into 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 deep space. Okay. And they okay. they're still have, they still, that's also the lab where they keep developing their new Coca Cola product. So when it's like Berry Burst Mellow Yellow, they could still be drinking that because that's where that product was developed. And then one of the first things they do to test the time portal to see that, just like in Voyager season five, where they freakishly figure out a way to send messages back to like uh, the, 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 the previous time, they could just send back the formula for Berry Burst Mellow Yellow and then boom, yeah. it's on store shelves. That's, Did you just that's synergy. Voyager? Well, you know, <laughs>
4: share a space platform with a friend.
1: So I think – so anyway, I like I like your idea. Um, I like the kind of bizarre, like almost like they're traveling through parallel worlds kind of thing. It's
3: a sliders okay, well, well, kind uh, of thing uh, almost. We're going to put that on the whiteboard. We'll come back yeah. to it later
1: yeah but I, I like rogue planet it 's a little like a Jack McDevitt novel or something you got the mystery of this alien planet that was hurled through space from somewhere else what might what secrets might it have perhaps there's more to what 's down on that planet than we even know Strange things happen, and then there 's the refugees from earth and in fact, yeah. Earth may not in fact like a I, I was imagining like a when worlds collide thing where they're coming off the surface of the planet uh, before the end because they think they're going to be destroyed. But who's to say if it's in a you know, weird orbit but they're still orbiting the sun, who's to say that we don't uh, make contact and it turns out that what happened on Earth is actually not what they expected. So I think feel right. there are lots of wacky twists that you could do in the moon base without it completely violating the laws of physics like uh, the original.
4: <laughs> well, like I said in San Diego, I'd almost do your version as its own show
2: because that's a really good idea outer space yeah 2015 <laughs> i'm smelling third season spinoff i don't know about the rest of you guys but it sounds like gold to me
1: wow you went to the you went to the guy the the pitch guy voice the, the old, before me i thought that i was gonna do this whole episode like nah, david what i like about your idea is that it's fresh <laughs> i mean it's a reboot of an old show and therefore not fresh but yet it feels fresh even though yeah. it's not
2: yeah, Jason, I I see what you're saying. I'm going to restate exactly what you said and make it sound like
1: uh, like I said something. That sounds new. very good to me. I think that's I, a good idea. I like yes, that I in a, I in agree, a, in yes. a voice <laughs> on a podcast.
3: Well, we we we've had our meeting with studio executive Peter <laughs> falcas Colombo.
2: <laughs> I I'm so shy
1: about you, but the I just, broadcasting uh, network is um,
2: sorry, uh, Mr. Renato. Let me just make sure. All right, do, my, we have, uh, do we have do we have more
1: straight. about Space 1999? Before we move on. I could pitch it again in Bullwinkle's
3: voice.
4: I think it would go something (laughs) like this.
3: I think it's so adorable the way Jason keeps trying to steer this back on topic. Let's all... (laughs) Look at you. And so it's blown out of the Earth's orbit. It'll be amazing. It's like
2: (laughs) he wants this to be a comparable podcast, not an incomparable podcast.
1: So, thank you David. That's your that's your uh, that's your pitch. I appreciate it. All right, let's put the brakes on the silliness for just a moment and tell you something slightly more serious. Our sponsor, it is lynda.com. once again. You might be wondering if you have a bad memory because you should know this already. lynda.com is a great place on the internet to go if you want to learn things. lynda.com helps you learn and keep up to date with software, pick up brand new skills, explore new hobbies and much more with easy to follow video tutorials. Now, when I tell you that there are video tutorials, you're probably thinking of those YouTube videos where some guy tells you how to change the CD player in your car's dashboard. Uh, He's out in the snow somewhere, the camcorder's kind of listing to one side. It can be okay information, but it is not the stuff that you want when you're learning these new skills. What you want is professionally produced video material taught by the experts with some great web technology that lets you learn on your computer on your phone on your tablet and guess what all of what I'm describing right now is in lynda.com. That is what lynda.com is. More than 2,400 courses, all taught by industry experts. They work directly with software companies to provide timely training. Oftentimes, when a new version hits, the same day, lynda.com training will hit. And you get it all for any experience level. If you're an expert and you want to uh, brush up your skills a little bit, they've got courses for you. If you're a beginner just starting out want to learn something, they've got courses for you, too. It's all for one low monthly price. $25 a month gives you unlimited access to everything at lynda.com. Now, as I mentioned, you can watch from your computer, tablet, or mobile device. Courses are broken up into little bite-sized pieces, so you can jump around and find just the bits you want to learn right now if you've got only 15 minutes or 15 hours you pick. Learn at your own pace. And here's a fantastic part. I have worked out a deal with the good people at lynda.com to provide you with a special offer. You can access this whole huge professional video training library, more than 2,400 courses, absolutely free, for seven days. Here's where you go. lynda.com incomparable. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com incomparable to try lynda.com free for seven days. L-Y-N-D-A dot com incomparable. That'll tell them that we sent you, and you should check it out. It's a great deal. Seven days of great learning from lynda.com. Thank you, lynda.com, for sponsoring The Incomparable. We will move on to the next pitch. Let's go to Moises.
2: So uh, thank you so much for your time, uh, everybody. <laughs> I've got I've got a pitch for you. I got a, I've got a few other spins on it, too, because uh, I think there are a lot of different ways we can go this way. Uh, um, I, I think the only way forward is Magnum P.I., and I'll give you a reason why CBS already has Hawaii Five O on the air, and Magnum PI came in as Hawaii Five O needed to uh, go go gently into that good night. And uh, and I think uh, a lot of people would agree that the current version of Hawaii Five O needs to needs to do the same thing. So so there, there's a version of this that we could do with Tom Selleck, and in the way that they restarted Maverick with a show called Brett Maverick, starring James Garner, 20 years later. I feel like we could do effectively Thomas Magnum. Go ahead and call it Magnum PI all over again, and uh, and and have him just uh, just pick up the reins and keep going. I mean, we we could do that. We could do that. Alternately,
1: we could fresh. Let me stop you up. right there. Let's just what? do that.
2: You, let's just do that. Yeah. Let's no, just no, do okay. It.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. I, 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 let's listen to your idea too. Sure. So
2: so 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 there's you know the kids these days they they like they like their mustaches. Uh, yeah, I like a mustache. I've got a mustache. It's uh, it's something that treats me well. We could we could youthen it up. We could we could go to youth. <laughs> we could go Magnum PI Junior. Uh, you know, there was a cartoon called James Bond Junior. So why not Magnum PI Junior? Uh, so we so could,
3: basically, he he would be wearing the mustache ironically.
2: He's wearing the mustache <laughs> ironically to piss off his dad, who takes on the Higgins role. So it's his dad's mansion that his dad is like, what you know? What are you kids with these raves and these laser lights? What How did are, Thomas what is
1: Magnum this? get a, a mansion?
2: uh, uh look, robin, robin master's just
1: left it left it to uh, him uh, yeah
2: why wouldn't he i don't know either. why wouldn't he okay. when when you let the guy drive all of your fancy cars i mean th- there must have been some sort of a significant relationship uh you know uh where where these guys right. really just got along i mean
1: it, it just makes sense because we're talking about tv i mean all right so thomas magnum is now uh the owns and is also the uh the uh, operator of this yes. mansion on, on Oahu.
2: Okay. He's he's the one saying, oh my God. And he's he's gone. He's, he's Does he gone. have dogs? Of course he's got dogs. And instead of Zeus and Apollo, they're uh, Hera and Aphrodite. Why not? Okay. Okay. So, so we've got Magnum P.I. Jr. And we effectively do Magnum P.I., but with a kid. Okay. So maybe, maybe, maybe let's say you want another option. I've got another option for you.
0: Jim Henson's Magnum Babies
2: <laughs> <laughs> sold. That was my fourth. That was my fourth pitch. But uh, but but no. Let me get there. Let me get there. Let me let me get there. Let me get there. Let me get there. Let me go. He's, let me he's go. painting let me go. a let word
3: picture for us, gents. We, we... Gents, gents, relax close your, your eyes. sphincters, gentlemen.
2: Let's think. Let's think. The city is a, like a character. We go hip. We want to go young. We want to do Magnum P.I. meets Veronica Mars. Lady Magnum Junior. So Magnum has a daughter instead of a male son. We reenact the opening set of setup of the pilot where it's Magnum and a couple of attractive girls. So we're really just faking people out. We're making them think that it's, it's, it's Magnum jr. With his hipster mustache and, and his, uh, his douchey ways. But in fact, one of the girls is the one that threw the party and they're in trouble with dad who owns the mansion. Just like, just like in the, in the, in the just previous version. Now, different than that, of course, is that, is that Magnum jr. Is a girl on top of that. Now, Let's see let's see how many Magnum fans we got TC had a daughter Mhm TC had a daughter who went missing and her name was Melody and guess who Mag- Lady Magnum Jr.'s best
3: friend is?
1: Lady Magnum Jr. You got a, you got a lot of titles in there. <laughs> can I, can I just Magnum say that
3: we might have some intellectual property problems because I believe there is a feminine deodorant called Lady Magnum Jr. <laughs> there was the men's deodorant and then they came up with the Lady Magnum and then they went to a team to market for Lady yep. So – we can get we can get clearance. I'm just saying that don't don't be wedded to Lady Magnum. Interesting Jr. product placement. Smells like Tom Selleck,
0: but I like it too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you don't like smelling like Tom Selleck? My God, what's wrong with you? Strong enough for Rick? Wright. I can respect almost everything about somebody. All right. So Boyce
1: for- says you've got you've got uh you've got Thomas Magnum's daughter and TC's daughter is Rick involved somehow or offspring of Rick or Ice Pick.
4: I think Rick's trying to date them.
2: <laughs> I think it would be amazing to bring Larry Minetti back as Rick.
0: <laughs> I think he's, that kind, he's really busy these days. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's 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 uh he actually just joined the uh the the Hawaii Five O reboot last year. Mm-hmm. So he he basically is playing roughly the same kind so of he's, character.
3: He's, he's in on, Hawaii and available. He's he's in Hawaii and available. All right. We change the title to In Hawaii and Available. <laughs> we get like Mindy Kane as sort of like a she's just moved to she's got a bad relationship. She's moved to Hawaii to get a fresh start. She doesn't have and any place to live, so she lives in
1: she rents out a room in a mansion run by a guy wearing a Detroit Tigers baseball cap. But we never name him. And we only see him from behind.
4: Right. Well yeah, then he has to wear the baseball cap turned around so that we can see the deal. Oh, it's just
1: a blue baseball cap. We only want to pay Major League Baseball for the licensing fee, so it's just oh, a blue baseball cap. There you go.
0: I uh I I don't want to um uh diminish all the the fine work and effort you put into this but <laughs> oh I was waiting for this. <laughs> this is going to make the
2: whole evening for me.
0: <laughs> I, I I feel that I feel that you're really giving short shrift to the Higgins character. I think that the Higgins character was so essential uh uh to the the the, the series and to make it Oh old, I yeah, old man Magnum I don't think really cuts it as Higgins. The, the I agree. thing about the thing about Higgins was that he, you know, had his own adventures and uh the the two directions I would take it in one would be the Higgins Chronicles where it's all of all of these adventures that Higgins is always recounting only they're only they're, they're set to film and, and it
2: star John Hodgman.
0: It could. It should. I think that would be. I, I, think, I think that it is brilliant casting. Star John Hunter. I think. <laughs> can I, we say that? I think he is the the logical heir to John Hillerman. I think he could play all of the different uh, 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 the half brothers, and half brothers of the Higgins the clan, <laughs> and, yeah. with a plum. No, I like this show. I'm not going to even bring up the other one, which I, I think would be Old Man Magnum, which is Magnum uh, leaves the islands after the the unsatisfying eighth season of Magnum P.I. Magnum in the City, is what you're saying? Yeah, it goes back to the mainland and uh, has adventures. And I I was always struck by um, uh, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles where they had the one um, um, bookend episode where it was Harrison Ford and he was wearing an eye patch. And how did Harrison Ford lose the eye, neighbor? Well, that's all they left of it, friend. So you're saying uh, the old
2: old Thomas Magnum uh, adventures?
0: Yeah, old Thomas Magnum, wandering around, maybe maybe he goes back to Virginia for a while and finds that you can't go home again. Maybe he tries to make a go of it in Detroit to catch a Tigers game that he was so cruelly denied in season four of Magnum <laughs> P.I. Maybe uh, he travels from city to city like the Fugitive for reasons that we don't quite understand. But, uh, I, or on I, a
2: motorcycle I, like Renegade.
0: Yes,
4: exactly. I got one. All right. How about old man Magnum? He's still at the estate. He's uh-huh. pretty much living in the computer room now. And he has a protege, a young, not, not a relative. A ward, perhaps. A ward. Huh. And he's controlled by this computerized Hawaiian shirt. And he guides the young ward through all these adventures. Magnum beyond. You know, Tom Selleck's only
1: 69. He could, he, he you know. He he could do he could make some appearances. I'm just that, saying I'm that saying.
2: blue blood show has to end soon because a Wahlberg brothers luck can only last so long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit the the Higgins Chronicles intrigues me in in, would, in, in, in the variety that. and in the in the inspired John Hodgman casting.
2: I wonder if John Hodgman would be up for an eight year long Hawaiian vacation.
1: Well, Higgins Chronicles could oh, shoot. Well, a, yeah, it would happen all right? over the place. Yes. he would
2: he would be a world traveler like the uh, the reclusive billionaire that he is.
1: Exactly. Yeah, this is th- these are all these are all good possibilities.
2: I mean, we basically have a network full of Magnum shows now, which only makes me happy.
0: The Magnum yeah, network. no, I would I that I would I would throw the remote control out the window <laughs> if there were a Magnum network. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say
4: that I am actually currently missing the Deja Vu episode just to record with you. Joe. Well, Cuz I've seen it before and I remember it and I keep seeing it again. Sure.
1: Sure. <laughs> All right. Mag- any other, any final Thomas Magnum comments before we move on? I
2: mean, we could we could ruin the Higgins Chronicles by then doing a spinoff, uh, called, as, as they're saying in the chat room, uh, the Sons of Higgins, um, where mm. where uh, you would expect Magnum to have loads of illegitimate children, uh, but uh, but Higgins, oh no, Higgins got. A mm. Interesting. Well, no, no, no. It's all the half brothers. Because how many Higgins half brothers are there?
0: There are at least exactly. three. You get a Randy Dad. Three or four. Yeah, Yeah. I think you could also um, spin off one of the uh, characters on Magnum P.I. who was really crying out for uh, uh, their own show, and that's uh, Agatha Chumley could... uh could get a nice little series where it's sort of her adventures on the island.
3: Murder she pondered. She has a life, too. You, you are you are missing one thing now. He, Higgins had all these half-brothers, right? But they all suspiciously looked exactly like him. So we do like sort of a Westworld twist where they're all – every Higgins you see is actually an android sent back from the future. And that's the that's the mission of of, of Magnum, who had failed in his mission because now he's too old. Now he has to basically have like a Batman core of, of Magnums to basically – Handle the, the, the Higgins incursion. So it's sort of like a Terminator meets Magnum PI. Terminator meets Magnum PI with a nicely groomed mustache, uh. and and none of them curling up, up at the edges. I, I want a uh, just basic, hardworking Marlboro Man style mustache. Right. He is he is he is nothing but business. These these
1: are all good ideas.
3: <laughs>
0: No, you know when you said earlier that there are, there are no bad ideas. I really believe that extends to Magnum PI. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It is the Rosetta Stone of TV drama. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep.
4: First show I ever wrote a spec script for.
0: I would like to read that spec script.
4: I will dig it out. All right, perhaps
0: even act it out and uh, all the, do all the parts. Well, you know, is there a part for me in it, David?
4: Uh oh, of course. Okay, good. You know, heavens.
1: And I approve of your script. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let let us. Uh, that was all under the uh, byline of Moises Chuyan. By the way, just going to file that away under Moises. Uh, Andy, do you have a reboot pitch for us?
3: Yes, I do. And i I'll, I'll, oh, I'll I'm, gl- to, I'll... I'm glad because otherwise, why are you here? Really? Exactly. Well, I'm 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 here because it's nice to hear human voices. Okay,
1: fair enough. But I'm glad you also brought head. a pitch.
3: That's nice. Well, I, I also have to thank like this group because I thought this was, this was a rock solid pitch before, but there was one uh, four syllable word to add, to add to the end of this the, of this title that makes it about thirty percent more awesome. Okay. Okay. Rockford Files
1: 1999. <laughs> <laughs> See.
3: Okay. See? Rockford. First of all, okay. The Awesomeness of the Rockford Files is that the, the the basic conceit is that you have this incredibly likable but kind of down on his luck private detective who he's an ex-con, but he wasn't one of these like serious ex-cons. He's just like, okay, I've made some mistakes. Now I really just don't want anybody to pay any attention to me. So he's always taking these like sort of low level low-level things and not trying to get his, you know, get his nose out of joint. He wants to basically go go straight and also not be bothered. And that's the tone of every single episode of the Rockford Files. Uh, my idea here is that we, I'm seeing this as one of these like cable sort of series where there's like six episodes per season, because what I really want to do is I want to populate this show with nothing but great character actors, people who are necessary, who are usually in demand. But if you say that, look, we're doing another six episode arc, you saw how many Emmy nominations we got last season. It's only going to take about five days, shooting days out of your time. It's going to be a blast. Can you, can you come on, come on board? Also, the the other twist about this, not necessarily a twist, but there is not going to be any like season long arcs. You will never see the Rockford will not spend six episodes trying to get to the hatch at the bottom of a ladder and then open the hatch and find out, oh my God, it's an oak locked door. Da-da-da. See you next year. <laughs> Every single episode is a self contained 90 minute show of awesomeness. Now I've got I've got some I've got some casting ideas here. Now I want Matt Damon as Rockford. Because you have to get that guy perfect. James Garner, the idea was that you're familiar with him. You could, he's at a part, you get him at a part of his career where he's still hot, but willing to sort of trade. You know, eight months in Budapest shooting a movie where you're just doing nothing but waiting. Where what if we just live in a comfortable house and you commute about six months to to get this done? He's got these. You you could believe he's had a rough uh, rough youth. You could believe he can uh, he can beat people up, but he also it's he has a likable quality. And also, I don't think he's at a lull in his career, but I think that he's at a point where if you tell them, what if we book you for five months out of the year to do this TV show? I think he's got three or four kids now. I think that he'd be amenable to it. Now there's Angel who is. Is uh, the uh, his best friend and sort of confidant and sort of assistant in being a private detective? Uh, I see Jack Black in this role. He's you, you got to pair him together. You mm-hmm. need a funny guy to be uh, the the second guy. So some guy's punching someone out. Some guy's being held hostage and saying witty things about drowning inside and drowning in beer. Uh, see, I that's see, funny
1: because now- I assumed that that would be your character that would be right for a gender reversal. Well, we, I have well, I have a
3: gender That's... reversal coming up. Oh, well, I, oh, I, I, all right. I, oh, okay, I, I, yeah. He, he also he also has like his the, the the cop that kind of put him away, but now is like still active. Now, first of all, this is all happening instead of L.A. L.A. is another is a character in the Rockford Files. You need another signature city. So the character for Matt Damon, of course, has to be Boston. So for his for base for Jim Rockford's unofficial liaison to the Boston police, we have Amy Adams, who has had a lot of promotions since uh, he since she first put Rockford in jail. Uh, now she's sort of a deputy commissioner sort of person where she's got access to intelligence and access to lots of information, but she's not so high up that she can't occasionally be seen hanging out with, uh, with Jim Rockford.
0: I am scribbling so many angry notes right now. <laughs> I...
3: Okay, that's no. Continue. That's fine. continue. No, please continue. That's good. fine. Go, this, keep going. You know, so, so, somebody <laughs> had to be the worst one who led out the rest of his life saying, "Yeah, I'm the guy who turned down the Beatles." That's my legacy in life. So um, we we need you as part of this story. All right. No, but but again, we're talking but we're talking about like I'll just go through I'll just go through some some other casting ideas. John Hodgman as sort of his liaison to the mayor's office. I sort of see him as like the, the nerdy guy who has access to the IBM PC eighty the, the three eighty six Packard Bell computer that controls all the information inside the mayor's office. See, this is this is why nineteen ninety nine is a great place to go because not everybody has an iPhone in their pocket. There you need to have access. not everybody knows how to use technology, but it's there, so we can use that for the shortcut to get the information. But this doesn't mean that uh, Rockford doesn't have to still uh, bust some shoe leather. Um, Kevin Pollock as Pops, as, as Rockford's dad. Angelica Houston is uh, is Pops's uh, wife and and Rockford's mom, but they're divorced. But they still like our buddy buddy together. I want to put honeysuckle weeks in here somewhere. After after seeing uh, after seeing Foil's War, we need to cast her as something. Now I see here sort of as a. Sort of a – someone who owns or is responsible for a company that has a fleet of trucks and goes to the city of Boston. So I'm thinking either MBTA official or taxi dispatcher, sanitation or liquor distributor. So she's the person who can not only have that sort of street-level experience but also tell Jim – Dr. Feynman. Well, you know I had, I had one of my one of my trucks was like late for a delivery because because uh, Church Street was blocked for like 45 minutes because of a, of one of his one of his cars and that's that what that's the the third act reveal that gets you on the other place Robbie Coltrane as a as the local minor crime lord who is is in and out of almost every story he's not controlling everything but hes sort of he doesn't have people killed he just simply has uh he has the deliveries diverted he's like you know hijacking uh, uh shipments from from Logan to divert them into into other places Places. Um, I also want to get William H. Macy in there somewhere, maybe as the mayor who makes occasional uh guest appearances that they will be talking about him but we never see him until there's a really good reason to see him but when we when we need the mayor of, of Boston we'll get Roy May Macy but that's it 1999 lack of technology but some technology front it with lots of really great character actors and no season arcs you can miss a, you can miss four shows in a <laughs> row and t- tune in for the fifth and that will hook mm. you to get get you to binge watch the first four every single one of them is going to be a beautiful little inexpensive mini movie set in the city of Boston, about this very very likable guy that we've all seen in a hundred different pictures. I have I've i brought an empty pillowcase for the money. I, I, would, <laughs> you, I will pass before you. You may each put about a quarter million dollars inside it. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Phil, do you have thoughts? I I I, I, I think I, you might have some notes.
0: I have some thoughts. Hey, you know when I said that I had multiple pitches prepared, one of them was for the Rockford Files. I was expecting Laura to pitch it. <laughs> But I never knew until this day that it was not go all along. <laughs> I I will say that
4: I was lucky enough – well, lucky might not be the word – to read the script for the attempt they made at rebooting it a couple of years ago. And all I will say is thank God that did not go.
3: Exactly, because now it's in play for my pitch. So thank exactly. you very much for your support. <laughs> See, and the other thing, with by, by sending it in 1999, we can keep the answering machine opening. And it's, it's, it'll be, that will be uh. sort of a signature thing for Rockford that even in 1999, it's sort of weird that you're still using a cassette answering system.
0: You see- no, no, in, in in my version, it would be um, AT and T iPhone voicemail, except it hardly ever works. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: eight years in advance.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't set it in 1999. Here's the problem with your pitch, Andy
3: besides the- it's too perfect it'll raise the yeah, bar for everybody well, You're yes right.
0: it will make all other tv shows feel bad well, and- well,
3: what, what if we give howie mandela a role as the medical examiner because that will have like a saint elsewhere reference the kids will or the 40 year old and 50 year old kids will love that
0: yes the kids and he can
3: lower the bar of anything he's in believe me so, so my problem These are with solvable it- problems that's all i'm saying
0: Besides the fact that it's set in Boston, which I I really don't think is in movies and TV shows enough um, (laughs) at this point in our history, um, it's really
3: uh, we could move it to Lexington.
0: Yeah, we could. I I was thinking about what would update Rockford for the modern era, and um, Jason hit upon it earlier. I I would, I would make Rock. It's Jane Rockford. You, uh, one one because of the things because Mrs. Columbo was such a hit. Well, no, here's why I think that that uh, Rockford Files would work with a female uh, uh, lead is because so many of your female crime fighters, female crime solvers, it's always. Uh, oh, I'm going to... It's the Avenging Angel. It's Mariska Hagerty on Crime, uh, on L, uh, Law & Order SUV, or... Uh, Whatever or, it uh, is, yeah. Yeah, or, or the lady with the bad hair on the show where she solved the cold cases. What was it called? Bad hair. I don't remember. <laughs> but... You really don't have the Jim Rockford style female character where it's sort of someone who's mm. down on their heels, but kind of, you know, is OK with where they are in the world. And I, I, I think that would be a more interesting I I, I think making that character a, a, a woman allows for uh, some more interesting storylines and for some uh, uh, unique storytelling and i was racking my brains with um uh who to 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 cast in that part and and two names came up you can uh poo poo them if you like but
3: uh i do them right now
0: yeah on the most recent season of Justified, I really liked, which was not one of justified's best seasons, but I really liked alicia witt's work on it um, mm. i I kinda uh thought she did a very good job of playing someone uh who was coming from a lower station in the world but uh had enough wit to uh to maybe uh, huh. uh yeah, sorry. To, to maybe uh, <laughs> uh, 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 move beyond that, and I, I could see her uh, doing a Rockford thing. If you wanted to make the show a little bit more goofier, a uh, uh, Casey Wilson, uh, uh, most recently of Happy Endings, I think would be a would be a fine casting decision. I love I love that she's Casey Wilson of of Happy Endings, a show that is no longer on the air. Well, that it's the the most recent reference I could think of. Um, I, I like she signs her name at the Comic Con.
4: Casey Wilson of Marry Me coming this fall.
0: Well, oh, not, not when she gets the Rockford Files That's gig. right.
4: <laughs> well, as soon as you said uh, gender reversal, you know, my first thought was that just like the film version of Maverick, uh, spoiler horn, you, you would have that moment of, you know, where you just you're just accepting this like a normal it's just a total reboot and at the very end someone says well why did you get into this and she says well it it runs in the family and the camera pans over to the like family photos on her wall and there's jim garner and
3: it's that's a copy of a 1974 issue of tv guide yeah (laughs) i love
1: that show i changed i legally changed my name to rockford because i love that show so much
3: i'm (laughs) I'm not actually a licensed detective (laughs) here let me show you the tattoo on my bum (laughs) <laughs> As the angel
1: character, I would I would
0: see if John C. Riley would do some television. I think he would be outstanding in that role.
3: Also 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 a good choice. We we wanna we, we want a funny guy to leaven some of the drama that might happen. Exactly. I will I will say I will say though that I do have to say no to the gender reversal because that's at this point, this is kind of a hack move. That's like oh and guess what? Rockford's not a dude. Wow, blew your mind. Well, I do think that
1: you it's... you need to add more women characters to the cast of a lot of these old shows. So, but not well, necessarily need to. Two
3: two in the lead, yeah, yeah, lead, yeah, char- lead cast alone. I got it.
1: I got it. I think um
3: and uh, Angelica my... Captain EO Houston in a regular recurring role as well. <laughs> David mentioned um the Now Captain cap- EO is something we could reboot. <laughs> 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 you know, they do have that hologram Michael Jackson now. So we can also not only can we license that, but we could also license it back to the like to the bad era, nice Michael Jackson. Uh, I would actually go with main
0: who I think is uh, hungry for for work these mm-hmm. days. For interesting,
1: Four. exactly. Uh, David mentioned the Dermot Mulroney um, failed pilot of the Rockford Files <sighs> reboot on NBC a few years ago. I I will say I'll put in a vote if we're doing a little bit of fantasy casting here. I feel like the guy who is best suited to play a rebooted uh, Jim Rockford is Josh Holloway, formerly of Lost and then a bunch of failed TV shows since then. I think he's the I think he's got the appropriate amount of kind of rumpled to do it. While still being a leading a leading man that people like,
0: I'm sorry, I've already cast him as uh, as Gambit in my X Files series. <laughs> well, can, well, can, can we get him after that? Really, that's canceled. Gambit's on the X Files? That's crazy. A, well, yes, it's an ex- Marvel a, has bought the rights reboot. to the X Files. Gambit goes around looking for aliens because he's kind of kooky. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't read your funny books, no, I sir. Know, I know,
4: I know,
1: I know. <laughs> it starts with he X. Was, whatever.
4: He was in the running for the the Rockford reboot and when they didn't cast him that was sort of like the first rumbling of oh this yeah they don't know work. what they're doing
1: because he's he was so, the right guy for that that part yeah I, I, and i wouldn't have think just thinking oh it's that guy from Lost." but there was that season of Lost where he is sort of the sheriff of the dharma initiative in the 70s and uh mm. oh my god and he, perfect perfect cat. Yeah, that, that guy could totally do it so
4: even even watching the show intelligence which was not good very awful, much awful
2: awful not awful, good. awful 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 show
4: not good. intelligence is not the word for that no but he was still entertaining and i i hated every second of that
1: show but he was he was fine get get josh holloway a good
3: show any other uh rockford thoughts before we move on i'm open to having him live on a boat (laughs) i think he's (laughs) got to actually oh absolutely
1: even if he's in boston i think he's got to be like in the harbor or something i think you've got to have that that feeling of being by the water I'd, I'd yeah. put him
0: in Seattle myself because I think that has a more today kind of feel. Mm. I don't,
3: well, I, 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 I don't want to pick up a when, when Harry met Sally vibe, because all that's beyond people's mind in Seattle
1: when Harry and Sally set in New York and there are no scenes in- I think I think you might be thinking that have the vibe of You've Got I Mail which is think, another yes. movie with Meg Ryan in it okay. no, which is set no, in New York it's, no
3: it's Sleepless in Seattle we're both wrong just just showing you how Nora Ephron did <laughs> yeah, not have a very wide enough. palette he yes. was she, it was he, actually he was Sleepless
1: in, in, in Seattle sure. Nora,
3: Nora Ephron was painting with like Mac Paint 1.0 there's just <laughs> <laughs> not, Se- not even sleepless like in colors in that I think thinking of
1: Frazier <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ooh, Kelsey Grammer could be on the show.
1: <laughs> Kelsey Grammer as
3: the governor. <laughs> so we have sort of like we have a we need a mayor we need a Menino sort of guy like as the, as the, as the mayor. So we're like the, the guy who will make sure that the lights in his home neighborhood are always working and are always the first street to get plowed in the wintertime But Kelsey Grammer is the guy who's got his eyes on. We, we could we could we could have like have him have presidential ambitions, just like another sort of slick-haired made-for-TV character that once ran for president was a Massachusetts governor. <sighs> You see, this is so
2: clicking together. Or Thomas Magnum could be president of the United States.
1: Time to take one more brief break and tell you about another sponsor. It is Squarespace. Sponsors of fine podcasts all across the land. And if you don't know about Squarespace, let me explain. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store for a free trial and 10% off go to squarespace.com and use this offer code Snell sent me. I'm Jason Snell. That's my last name. Put it in. Snell sent me go to squarespace.com slash incomparable. Squarespace is a simple and easy system that lets you design beautiful websites You don't have to be a website designer. There are beautiful templates that will make your website look great. They're responsive, which means that they will look great on desktop computers. They'll look great on tablets and smartphones. As well. They have 24 7 support. If you've never built a website before, don't worry. You use live chat and email to talk to their support people who are in New York City, they're in Portland, they're in Dublin, Ireland. 24 7 they're available to help you. Plans start at only $8 a month. And if you sign up for a whole year up front, you get a free domain name as well. You wanna sell things on the internet? Commerce, an online store, comes with every site that you build. And you can start a trial to try it out. With no credit card required, no commitment, you can tinker around with Squarespace and see why it is so easy to make a website with Squarespace before you buy. And when you decide to sign up, Again, here's what you want to do. Use the offer code Snell sent me to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for The Incomparable. So visit squarespace.com slash incomparable. And thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of The Incomparable. Squarespace, a better web, starts with your website. So now, now Phil Phil hasn't even gone yet. Um, <laughs> but I, I I feel so um, positive about what he's going to give us that I'm going to go <laughs> next and save him for last. <laughs> what? Okay, because I don't, I don't feel I, I have no notes. Although I gave it a slight amount of thought, I gave it no notes. In this way, also, if you are truly picking Gambit in the X Files, I will have you beat <laughs> because my X Files reboot does not feature Gambit in any way. But uh, that, that's my pitches. I think, I think we should bring back the X Files. I think. Um, I think that's a great show with a great premise of... We talk about standalone episodes. Great standalone Monster of the Week kind of episodes. Thread it through with a little bit of a a conspiracy. It was wheezing by the end. The last few years were awful. I think that the movies have been problematic to awful as well um it's a franchise though that i feel like it has a lot of legs in it because at its core it is law enforcement people investigating strange happenings and uh and there are opportunities to tell twilight zone like stories but in an anthology format but with some continuing cast and i really like shows like that it's one of the reasons i think i like dr who so much is that it is essentially an anthology show with a recurring element and characters you get a little bit of both you get some genre shifts and uh, some different locations while also having some continuity, which I think uh, people like. People don't want completely new characters every week. So I think you bring back the X-Files. What I would not do, honestly, is go down the path of... Um, and the world of TV has changed a lot since the X-Files were on. There are lots of shows about teams of people who do autopsies and investigate strange happenings of one sort or another. Um, and the, the my my show pitch is most like how fringe started but fringe went off the rails and in a good way sort of but off the rails very quickly into a very different show than what i'm really describing here which is you've got a team of people it's a uh, obviously a post 9-11 world there is a department of homeland security group that has people uh connections to various government agencies and it's a and it's a team that's investigating um uh various uh mysterious happenings uh and checking them for uh major security problems and is there terrorism involved and and one of these teams is caught up in something in the pilot episode that is a very strange occurrence that they maybe there's missing time maybe they see something that they don't understand but what that does is it leads them to become uh to start to wonder that these um these cases that they just pawn off and file away in the in the uh you know, they draw a big X on them and throw them in a pile because they're they're ridiculous and they're obviously fake. Maybe some of those strange, alien, supernatural, psychic, whatever kind of cases that they, they wrote off before, maybe there's something to them because they've all experienced something that they don't quite understand and they don't all entirely believe it. Um, I actually think that... Um, you, you would still have two lead characters who are the two main investigators, but I'd like to give them a team. I'd like them to have a uh, uh, an NSA kind of uh, uh, spy computer person. I'd like them to have a, 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 a commander of the group. Uh, maybe there's a forensic specialist or something like that. But I, I don't want it to be – I want it to kind of be the group against the world and not – the group against each other where the where the boss is like you guys following your crazy x-files things get back to work i i, I kind of want the, the team to be kind of unified and then have the other agencies in washington skeptical of what they're doing um and uh yes we will cast john hodgman since that seems to be required <laughs> as one of the government somethings uh maybe, john
2: hodgman for everything maybe the computer, the, maybe is, the computer is, guy i don't can know the, the computer, computer be guy, guy, yeah. digits
1: yeah, it could be. It could be. That's his nickname. Yeah, it's not his legal name. He Maybe it is play, his legal name.
0: He will play all of the lone gunman characters. Yes, he will.
1: He will be. Yes. yes, they will call him the lone gunman. Uh, but he's just one guy, singular. Just the one lone gunman. Um. So yeah, you'll have two characters uh, who are who are more or less the leads. They're male and female. I actually. Um, One of the problems I have with the X-Files is after 100 episodes where Mulder is always right that it's something supernatural, Scully's saying, well, gee, Mulder, I don't know. You seriously believe that? Yes, he's always (laughs) right. Stop being so skeptical. So in this, I'm thinking more that they'll have different angles on what they're seeing where somebody will be more inclined toward conspiracies or aliens or something like that, and somebody else will be more inclined toward the supernatural or psychic abilities or something like that. And it's really an argument about not, is this real or not, but what is the, the form that this strange thing will take so i i just i think uh you do that and then to andy's point about standalone you know a show like this is going to have to have a a, an overarching arc i'd I'd like it to be something not about uh gray aliens and flying saucers so i'm thinking something like strange events that might be like the emergence of a an artificial intelligence that's taking over computers around the world or some other kind of more sci-fi premise that's not the gray alien thing and uh and yeah, I just think within that you have the a very light story arc that plays out over many seasons, um, but you spend a lot of time going to weird small towns that are probably just Vancouver doubling for everywhere else in the world, <laughs> and investigating strange things in small towns and discovering bizarre uh, anthology like Twilight Zone like things week to week, which was for me why I loved that show when it was on, and I think that core um, got lost when they got into all the mythology and you know David. De company made them move the show to LA and it got really popular and they cast Ed Asner and Lily Tomlin and you got out of hand but <laughs> I think you could dial it back learn some of the lessons of your CSIs your NCIS's, your boneses, and uh, and do a show that that um, that is that more modern um, procedural ensemble with the exiles DNA in it so that's my pitch
0: so how does Josh Holloway figure into this? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Well,
4: I was going to say, I love the idea of a team. I, I just think if you're going to have Gambit, you want to balance him out with, with Jubilee. Dazzler. Oh, or, Dazzler or Jubilee. would be... Oh, I love Dazzler. But, but Dazzler, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, sure. Oh, sure. Love me, Dazzler. Well, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, and of course, Professor X, who's the leader of the X-Files. Who do you right. see as
0: Nightcrawler <laughs> in this?
1: Yes. I, I, I. That's a good question. Perhaps Josh Holloway. <laughs>
3: There you go. Um, can we structure the deal so that you you have to do like the J. Michael Straczynski thing where you have the red binder where you personally have written down the entire story arc season for season for season and even put in a self-destruct clause so that it can't proceed beyond the five seasons you worked yes, out. In,
1: in fact, I've already destroyed all of my notes, so there's no risk that it will <laughs> ever man. be uncovered.
3: S- saves me the trouble. There's the door. <laughs> now, now, Jason, for the part
0: of Scully – are you open to casting Vin Scully in that role? I'm walking into a dark and scary room, and suddenly well, there's an alien dripping well, some that, sort a, of primordial ooze like a young Sandy Koufax.
3: But that, that's missing an opportunity. I, I, think, I think that this works great. This is another great opportunity to do a gender flip. So instead of a guy and a woman, it's a woman and a guy. Oh,
1: that's excellent. <laughs> that, you know, Andy, I considered that very strongly, but I think it may be a bridge too far. I actually wouldn't name the characters Mulder and Scully, and I would leave open the possibility of, as we've said with these other shows, you make the nod and you say, yes, oh, well, there were other people who worked on these cases in the past. And and you you pay it some respect while also not uh, having it be a direct uh, continuation. It's
0: Julie Andrews dressed as a guy, but Dustin Hoffman dressed
1: as a girl. I think Vin Scully, (laughs) though, is very tempting. Um, He could be the head of the unit. They cut that man's... Organs up into small pieces of meat, like john sausages. Just, oh, just i have to, all of your badges
3: for this. <laughs> just tell me there's a, there's like one line in which their superior says, "Now look, I won't have you going all Mulder on me." There you go. And, and, oh, and this, this won't be believe, like that at Link, all.
1: I can't believe this horrible f- thing happened under the beautiful cerulean blue sky.
4: <laughs> and and the most important thing, whichever network picks it up, that's the first name of the lead actor.
3: <laughs> That's right. That's right. L. Ray Mulder. Now, can you, can you do that? Now, given the contemporary uh, audience, could you start it off as a reboot of The X-Files and then slowly turn it into a reboot of Twin Peaks without telling any of, any of the audience until it's way too late?
1: It's possible. I think that in some it, it, ways... it's like
3: Mulder are... starts like eating cherry pies. That's it that could, could happen. It could all work in the
2: in the Timothy Westfall unified uh, theory universe. <laughs> if
1: we're if we're shooting in oh, yeah. if we're shooting in Vancouver, then it will, we might as well make it Twin Peaks because, you know, Wait, and, and, to well, and Northern falling. Exposure too, Frank, We've been
3: traveling all over yeah. the country and yet it's the same phone company that runs all of these phone companies, all these billboards and payphones. It's part of the conspiracy. Or Phil, we take a page from the old Television City Chronicle premise
1: of TV and we have them mm. investigate various things each of which is itself a reference to some strange TV show or other. So there's a murder in Sicily, Alaska. There's a murder in Twin Peaks, you know, where the whole town's been abducted and we just go and every every week they investigate a new crime that happened in some other TV show that it would be another it would effectively be TV the, cops
2: the TV meta reference guest star of the week show of shows yes it
1: mm-hmm. could be that but that's not my initial premise but you know I'll do whatever it takes to get this baby on the air
2: I'm just saying if you don't have Angela Lansbury in there in the murder she wrote tribute episode you know why are you doing the show I, I would write that show in a heartbeat
0: is there a part for me
3: why did he Always. leave town? Oh. He'll be back. He just went well, to chicago to to talk to his psychoanalyst where
2: where uh, where Angela Lansbury ends up being an extraterrestrial. Monster that has uh, convinced a small town that she solves all their murders, and she's been the one doing all mm. the murders. That was the I original. Totally buy
1: that because murder, she that wrote, talent actually. is absolutely. Do you not remember how Murder She Wrote ended? That's world. exactly how it ended. I am now
0: closing <laughs> my browser tab for Murder She <laughs> Wrote reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh, I thought that was Agatha Chumley.
1: Yeah, murder she caused. Anyway, I, I I like the X Files. I feel like they they uh, it's sitting right out there as a premise, and making these terrible movies every few years is not the way they should do it. They should just bring it back. And I think I think it works what, beyond the actors. Wait, so
2: what movies?
0: Mm,
1: yeah. Good point. Good. That's that's exactly well put. Good. Well put. Good. Hey Phil, uh, help me out here. What do you have? I have two pitches, Jason.
0: Okay. One a serious pitch, and That'll one be a first for us. Okay. And one a very serious pitch. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's start off with the serious pitch uh-huh. one first. Let me take you back to a, uh, a time in our country that I like to call 1986. All right. It's a fantastical time where
3: there's music
1: television.
3: Yeah. Also, also I've, got, I've got a tab open for Google Music. What, what song from the era should I be playing as the background while you describe this? I In the this? Air
1: Tonight by Phil Collins might be good. Uh, that's, the, that's the guess oh, I'm going to make here. It's a very good
0: guess because at gotcha the time, doo-doo. Jason, there was a very popular series called Miami Vice. Yes, you may want to play the collected mm-hmm. works
1: of Jan Hammer now. Mm. <laughs> Jan Hammer, as his friends call him. Oh, no. <laughs> Unless you do the gender switch and then yes. sure. Yes. Okay. Nineteen eighty six, um, Miami Vice. Josh Holloway might be excellent. It's a very
0: popular show. That's not the one I'm rebooting. (laughs) No, the one I'm rebooting is the follow-up series to Miami Vice that Michael Mann did when NBC Ah. said, You're brilliant. We give you carte blanche. And he said, I'm going to do a show called Crime Story. Crime Story. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's two of us, baby. So... (laughs) Crime Story was um, set in the 1960s. It started off in Chicago. It gradually um, moved to Las Vegas. Um, it was a very stylish show, very good in yep. some respects, not so good in some other respects, yep. in that it went crazy and went off the rails <laughs> uh, several times. Um uh, the the first season one cliffhanger was the the main villain was blown up in a nuclear uh, nuclear test in the Las Vegas desert. Mm-hmm. Only he didn't die; he came back alive, but didn't have Hulk powers. And <laughs> um, and they had one plot line where the main villain, after surviving the nuclear blast, flew down to like a Banana Republic to set up some crime uh, domain, just as it happened in real life, and yeah. it it, it, oh. it was um. It was, in many ways, a very good series, and in many ways, a very bad series. And Mm -hmm. um, if you go back and watch some of the episodes, as I have, uh, because some of them have been posted to YouTube, what you're struck by is how slow the pacing is, because somewhere around the mid-90s, with ER and such, the uh, pacing for TV shows became very, very different, so that uh, some of your 80s shows, and Crime Story is a, a prime example with this, you are just sitting there waiting for things to happen going, come on! So what I would do is reboot Crime Story, uh, and the main thing I'd do is make it a limited-run series so you don't have these stupid cliffhangers where a guy goes out into the desert and gets blown up by a nuclear bomb and comes back alive. You don't have these um, these open-ended things. Rather, you have... 12 episodes. You madman the hell out of it, where it mirrors actual things going on throughout history and it tells the story of, uh, of uh, Las Vegas I think is a very uh, uh, interesting story to tell with a lot of uh, uh, dramatic possibilities. There was a, a show not too long ago with Dennis Quaid that uh, uh, mm. failed miserably at doing this, and I think yes. uh, <laughs> in the hands of a, a, a competent director uh, a competent showrunner could really be uh, done well over the course of thirteen to twenty-four episodes, uh, and that would be my my pitch: bring back crime story, but this time, uh,
1: put a couple of put a couple of limits on it. Mm. I think that's good. I, I think uh, that premise, uh, period pieces, kind of hard bitten police detective guys. Uh, limited run i think i think that's a nice uh i think that's a nice idea it was stylish it was really stylish and and uh the period thing was was a very different thing for tv in that era to go back to the 60s like that i remember it well
4: yeah i've, I've got a whole half shelf of books on vegas history here that might go into a project i'm thinking about
0: so it is a very
4: interesting time.
1: Is that Project Crime story, the
0: uh, TV
4: reboot? <laughs> it might be now.
0: <laughs> and, and let's not sell short the um, the uh, Chicago portions of the the series, yeah, yeah. which actually, yeah, were in many ways, my favorite part of the series. I really liked how they did that.
4: It was a more solid show at that point. And yeah. sort of the Vegas thing was sort of like, oh well, let's make it flashy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: And and then you have the nuclear bomb. So. I,
0: I can't help but feel that the Vegas parts were NBC going Network notes. Yeah, we yeah. we wanted we yeah. wanted a Miami Vice like show. This isn't Miami Vice. <laughs> this is moody and set in the '60s. What the hell are you doing? Okay, I'll move it to Vegas. There, nuclear bomb, <laughs> boom. Crime
4: Story nuked the fridge twenty five years earlier.
0: Exactly. Oh, yeah. I see a young George Lucas in 1986 going. I am going to have to use this. <laughs>
1: So what's your what's your what's your more serious pitch?
0: My very serious pitch. Yes. Um <laughs> and I I will brook no dissent on this one. Hear that Andy?
3: I'm, I I hear it. <laughs> so i I'm, I'm listening intently and making notes about how I'm going to dissent with this. All right. It's set in Boston.
0: <laughs> Let me take you back in time. Okay.
1: To again? A period, to again. A, are, are we still in 1986, or have we moved? No. Imagine Jason. a
2: world where you go back in time again for the very first time. No a world,
4: Jim.
0: We've gotten in our time machine, having okay. watched Crime Story in 1986. We've set the dial back 10 years to a time I like to call 1976. All <laughs> right. It's the Bicentennial. Mm. Those tall ships are really raising America's spirits after Watergate. Uh, A young peanut farmer has emerged from the fields of Georgia. His name? Jimmy Carter. Meanwhile, a young Rune Arledge says, what can we do to bring joy to this nation uh, riven asunder by Watergate, by by Vietnam, by by scandal and, and, and recession? I know. Just like we need to bring this nation together, we will bring networks together and have a battle, a battle of network stars. (laughs) So I I think we need to bring back Battle of the Network Stars. It has been too long. It has been uh, uh, 25 years, I believe, since (laughs) the last Battle of the Network Stars. Um, And I think that... The TV universe has changed so much. You could literally have a Battle of the Network Stars Olympics with a parade of networks. Here's the delegation from Netflix. Oh, look, it's FX. Margot Martindale is leading the charge. Hey, everyone. It's, it's, it's AMC.
1: Exactly. Uh, they with, have the commercial. Mad, with the Mad Men and the, and the Walking Dead.
3: I,
2: I would love to see Tom Selleck and Corey Burton uh, you know,
3: in a foot race against each other. Mm-hmm. God damn you, sir. I had... God damn you, sir. <laughs> do you realize how many years and lives we've applied to finally diffusing that situation, but no, you've got stretchy nylon Adidas tank tops to sell, and you want to re- reignite hostilities just so you can profiteer? I say God damn you, sir. <laughs> we barely got Gabe Kaplan out of that alive. We had peace you... between the networks, and now this. Chuck Conrad is still on the loose. Still the ace of spades in the deck, in the deck of most wanted... Ugh. Tim Reed is still trying to get out of the kayak
4: race.
0: <laughs> so many of my happiest childhood memories uh, revolve around Battle Super of the Network Stars. <laughs> as, as a oh, fan of man. Team ABC, I will never forget the tears that I shed when longtime, Cap- long-time Captain Gabe Kaplan switched over to Team NBC. That's
4: oh, right, baby. Oh, yeah. That was, I guess,
1: that was a good day when NBC, that was heresy. proud as a peacock, you just got to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I mean,
4: ratings weren't important, but they won the Network Stars.
1: And I
0: I suspect to this day that NBC cast Bubba Smith in a show specifically so that they could have (laughs) Bubba Smith on their team one year. I mean, you don't go into battle with Charlene Tilton. You don't go into battle with Randy Oaks. You bring
1: Bubba Smith to the table. So how does how does this work as a show? Is it is it on one network? Does it rotate around like the Emmys? Is it uh is it a, a series? Well, it's, it
4: it's got to be like a, an elimination competition because there's so many networks now. And exactly. it can run for 13 to 26 weeks.
0: It's funny that you should mention the Emmys, Jason, because I sort of envision this as being an end-of-the-summer-type type gathering, a uh, festival of mm. TV that culminates in the Emmys. You have your week-long of competition and games and tournaments, and, and, and uh, you bring back the dunking booth and the relay race and the— uh, and and the obstacle course, but you also add Simon other... says. Yes, I was going to you... say
3: this fails without Simon says. You add yeah. other
0: elements to the show. You have a show that's on the on the cusp of getting renewed. Hey, bring in the the stars of that show to compete in the Battle of the Network Stars, Hunger Games style, and we'll figure out if <laughs> if Community deserves another season. <laughs> Hope you're good at cycling, Joel McHale, because uh, that's the only way your show is coming back
3: maybe it should be like the like the all-star game where may sweeps decides which network gets the home field advantage
0: i like the way you're thinking uh, Andy. yeah yeah which
3: which junior college gets the venue oh, for that it ha- weekend no, it oh no it's got to be, be at pepperdine it has to be at pepperdine
0: yeah. <laughs> i i think that um the one factor um, if you'll notice, um, when Battle of the Network Stars really lost its cultural cachet, as it were, was when they replaced Howard Cosell as the the host of it. They they brought mm. they brought Dick Van Patten on, and uh, I, I'm sure we all dearly love Dick Van Patten and his, and his contributions to the World Poker Tour. But uh, uh, quite honestly. He's no Howard Cosell, so uh, the only person that I could think of that brings that equal parts—you either love him or you hate him—would be um, Gus Johnson, who's a Fox sports announcer who is most famous currently for screaming at people um, when when uh, things of varying degrees of excitement happen. I yes. think he, I think he would be a fantastic uh, Cosellian-like addition to a show that I'm calling. Battle of the Stars 21st, Battle of the Network Stars 21st century edition. Mm. Maybe match um,
4: him up with Tim McCarver just for extra
0: hate. I I I think so. I think you're on to yeah. something Mr. Vice yeah, President. I, 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 yeah. I can
3: definitely be on board with this because especially like if you really update the obstacle course because I would love to see Lena Dunham have to do the wipeout course or the American Ninja Warrior course. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 for, and forced well, to keep trying until go. she finishes. Everybody – because everybody has those like TV people they really don't like and you can't – and usually because they're on popular shows, they don't wind up on those bottom of the basement uh, reality TV shows like I'm a celebrity get out of here get me out of here but yeah if you if you were basically contractually say you, you also, we're, con- we're we're contracting you for 12, 12 episodes plus one special and they don't tell you that by the way if we don't if you give us some guff about about your per diem that one special is going to have to be battle of the network stars and yes it will be the 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 ninja warrior course
4: we we won't shift your show around we'll leave it on for 10 weeks in a row but you have to do the dunk tank
0: We've heard a lot of pitches tonight, but I don't think we've heard one bad idea involving Battle of the Network Stars. <laughs> All of this is gold. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're, we're having some laughs, we're having having some chuckles, but I, I, I really would invite um, everyone within the sound of my voice to go on YouTube and look up <laughs> the Battle of the Network Stars clip where Robert Conrad is incensed about some sort oh. of rules violation.
2: That. Also, Google, I, I was it's it's also something that would fill all of these networks uh uh primetime schedules where they're having trouble coming up with stuff that actually works it's literally on all of them at the same time yeah because i mean hollywood game night
4: please shoot me
3: yeah um, no but i mean just I the other
4: week i was sitting here fired up youtube on the apple tv and we watched about i don't know three hours of old battle of the network stars clips and the kids were fascinated Now, like TV stars used to do this. And I had to explain why the one, the one set of clips had Billy Crystal and Howard Cosell and why that was a big deal as David Letterman. As Telecasters. And, and I had, they were like, why is Billy Crystal doing that? And because he didn't do a Howard Cosell impression. Who's Howard Cosell, that
2: guy, that guy.
4: <laughs> and by the end, by the end of that, they were totally, they're like, why don't they do
2: this now? Phil Phil has given us the gift that we'll keep on giving, which is that there's not – there's literally is not a bad part of this pitch. It would even – it would spur <laughs> oh, yeah. me to want to reboot Celebrity Bowling. I, I love, love Celebrity bar. Bowling. I would like to just run by the, awful, the
0: November – because it used to be twice a year that Battle of the Network stars would come along. And here is the November 1978 CBS team as captained by McLean Stevenson. He had Valerie Bertinelli. He had LeVar Burton. He had Lou Ferregno. He had David Letterman. He had Tim Reed. He had Charlene Tilton. And someone named Pat Klaus.
4: Yep, from Flying High.
0: That is a fantastic
4: team. I, I should say that they are bringing back Celebrity Bowling. It is apparently being done by Nerdist Industries, and this, uh, they've, already, yeah, they've, they've done a bunch of episodes already. Yeah, they have. Yeah, it's going to be awful. But I, I would say no, no, it's, it's good. It's actually, it uh, actually yeah, they,
1: they They took huh? Matt huh? Smith and Karen Gillan bowling at Comic Con. That was kind of hilarious to watch <laughs> uh, Doctor Who try to bowl. Yeah,
4: I, I will go say, uh, go find the celebrity bowling episode with Michael Douglas as one of the guests because the whole time he has this look on his face of just fury that he has been trapped in a bowling alley and forced to do this. It's, That's it's the uh, Streets of San
0: Francisco's Michael Douglas and not the talk show host, Mike Douglas, right? Right. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Although, an important I mean, distinction.
4: Talk, talk show host Mike Douglas raging with fury is a beautiful thing, too.
2: There is, in fact, a, uh, a multi-DVD set of Celebrity Bowling, uh, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you can probably order using the Incomparables Amazon affiliate code. <laughs> uh, it's like 20 bucks, and it has, it has Shatner. It has loads of really great Celebrity Bowling episodes on it, and I would argue that it is more enjoyable than most things that you could buy on DVD these days. Several years ago, I, I live-tweeted a marathon
4: of it under a Celebrity Bowling account. <laughs>
0: Jamie Farr yes. was a two-time captain of the CBS team on Battle of the Network Stars. Uh, Other multiple captains in- matches, Jamie. <laughs> included Daniel J. No, that's
1: Janger after Mashes, Jamie Farr. I'd like, to, I'd like to take a moment to pause for a word from our sponsor, the Battle of the Network Stars page on Wikipedia.
0: No, I'm reading through it. I, I have lost all
1: interest in talking to you people. Yep. I am in a Battle of the Network Stars wormhole. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. All right, if there's nothing more, then I'm going to close up the TV reboot pitch. Well, just one note. One oh, no, one oh, are note. there more? Oh, i gotta, well, yeah, we gotta got to bring out our got, dead. Sorry. It. I, we'll bring out our dead now. If you've got other pitches you'd like to make quickly, please go okay. ahead.
2: Okay. Uh, well, I've got one that's serious and one that's less serious. The one that's serious, and this is something... <laughs> Not that, more serious?
1: Uh, <laughs> are you sure? It's,
2: it, it's, more, it's more serious than very serious. All right, fair enough. Firefly the animated series. It's literally the only way to get that cast back together. Mm-hmm. There's an audience mm-hmm. for it. And even with the comic adaptations, which are being treated as canonical, go ahead and do that as something like uh, what DC Entertainment has been doing with their features. Do that as a as a feature kickoff to an actual Netflix or Hulu series or something like that. Why not do it? Why not? You literally can get each of the actors as their availability allows into a studio. There you go. Over and done. Great idea. Less serious. Less serious. Uh, WKRP FM. Uh, a uh, a show about uh, Johnny Fever doing podcasts.
1: <laughs> WKRP.fm. <laughs> FM.
2: Yeah. Well, th- somebody I, I just checked, and somebody actually owns WKRP.fm, and it looks awful, and I think it's hosted on GoDaddy. Yeah, we'll buy oh, it. <laughs> we'll and replace it. But please, can we please,
4: David? Did you have something? <laughs> I I have two. One that uh, I I'd, I'd be very serious about uh, because I have about I don't know eighty outlines for stories for this and i don't have to do it under this name but it would be so much more fun to do it under the name twilight zone because (laughs) it's just because the main things my the main rules i have for that is it's got to be in black and white it's got to be in period it's it's like film noir it's like science noir it never works in in modern day color and i mean they're okay they're just not all that entertaining and and it has to kind of ignore science reality because how many of those episodes I mean, how many millions of miles are we from the sun, but according to Rod Serling, we're three um so so it's like it, you don't need science fact necessarily it's not important. um The other one is also kind of serious, but it 's a show that nobody knows, and I fell in love with it um and I think it would really work these days it's sixty a- minutes. <laughs> We'll reanimate Morley Safer. I'm, I'm oh, seeing wait, he's John. Not dead yet. I'm
1: seeing John Hodgman as
4: Morley Safer. <laughs> well, well, John Hodgman is Morley Safer. Josh Holloway is Mike Wallace. Yes. No. Wait. He'd be Dan Rather. He'd be Dan Rather. Um, Jack Black is Mike Wallace.
1: No, <laughs> no, no, no I no. like Holloway as Mike Wallace and Jack. Jack Black <laughs> as more of a uh, an Ed oh, Bradley Andy Rooney. Type. Oh, Jack oh, Black no. is
4: Andy Rooney. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Will Smith is Ed Bradley.
1: Okay. Um, no. 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 This That's this a little was a too show. on the nose. Actually. <laughs>
4: This, this was on for 13 weeks in 1964 between Gilligan's Island and Gunsmoke. And there is just no logical reason why they scheduled this. It was a show called Mr. Broadway with – um, oh, what's his name? Peter Fred Gun. Broadway. <laughs> Craig. Craig uh, – what's this? Who was Peter Gunn? As, as a Broadway press agent who eh, sometimes he would solve murders and sometimes he would deal with –
1: Craig insane Stevens Insane
4: celebrities And it, I just see this as like You know The good parts of Smash With with a little bit of Mad Men With a little bit of Crime
2: Story all, The good parts of Smash So you mean all of them?
4: <laughs> the all of songs them. Oh We're gonna have it About Smash aren't we? Um, no, I, but no I just I think be that'd joking. be a lot of fun And Okay thank God But there's There's a Dave Brubeck album He did the music for it And it's called Jazz Impressions of New York Gorgeous, gorgeous music. So it'd be great to to just like take that and give it life.
0: All right. Can we can we get Greg? Uh, can we get
4: Dave
1: Brubeck for the reboot?
4: Uh, we'd have to reanimate him, but Josh Holloway would make a good
1: Dave Brubeck. All right. Good. Good to know. Good to know. And uh, and it would star John John Hodgman as Mr. Broadway, oh, the yes. millionaire who yes. owns
3: Broadway,
4: the deranged millionaire. Yep. Okay. Good. Wants to
3: tear it down and make condos.
1: That's right, but there's going to be a bikini uh, car wash that will earn money to prevent <laughs> him from destroying Broadway and replace
3: Mr. Mr.
0: Broadway's rival is Freddie
1: Park Place. Yep, and Jet, um,
3: Moxie. If this next show isn't a hit, I'm bringing in the bulldozers. Ted
1: off Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> it's Count Avenue of the Americas. This is arch enemy.
3: Uh, Andy, did you have Arch Duke
1: Fifty
2: First
3: Street?
1: Andy, did you have any more?
3: <laughs> One line. Neil Patrick Harris, Alan Cumming, and Kristen Chenoweth in Cop Rock. Oh my God! Sold. There you go. Wow! Perfect. What? See?
1: Oh my God! Better than Smash. It's a. It's about a bunch of. It's about a bunch of cops who get stranded on a large rock. It's. It's about Broadway cops.
0: You'd watch a show called Broadway Cops. All right, Rum Tum Tugger, we're bringing you
1: in. <laughs> All right. Anything else out there? Are we? Uh, are we done? I have no other pitches. That was I. I. I'm, I just just the X Files starring Gambit. And Professor uh, X file. We're, we're the we're
2: the throwaway <laughs> jokes. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Next Generation, sure. um, Voyager. Star
1: Trek: Return to Voyager Island. I do think there needs to be a Star Trek show in all seriousness, and and that uh, if Absolutely. they want to set it in the J.J. Abrams reboot universe in that time period, I think that would be great because they're unencumbered by a lot of continuity then. Uh, but I do think Star Trek actually works better on it's happening on after t- the third movie on TV. So they need to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's happening after the third yeah, movie. I, 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 I want to you. do a
1: show called Before MASH. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's it's just the adventures of Hawkeye Pierce in Maine.
3: If that really takes off, you could follow it with a sequel during MASH. Mm-hmm. Cherry MASH. Potato MASH. The young
2: Hawkeye
0: Pierce adventures. Yeah. Sure. During MASH would sort of be this Rashomon version of MASH, where it's the same plots, but filmed from different perspectives.
1: Sure. <laughs> I, I think it's a good time to end. I think this has been an interesting exercise. I like that it wasn't a draft. I like that it was a little bit more collaborative. I don't know why we are not producing shows at um, at TV networks today. However, I haven't listened to this episode yet. So that might give give it away. But I thought this was a lot of fun. And I do think that uh, they're... I mean, Hollywood is dedicated to bringing back all the old stuff and turning it into movies or TV shows again. So if they're going to do it, do it right, and and I think we've got some suggestions. So you know, we're, please contact us. We have a reasonable fee, if you would uh, if you would like to to get in on our brilliant ideas about how to back bring back some old TV shows. I'd like to thank my guests for participating in this most excellent of panels. David Lohr, thanks for being here.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Andy Anaco, thank you very much for being here tonight.
3: I actually went upstairs and got a second pillowcase for all the money that I'm going to be given for the, uh, for the, Magnum, for the, uh, for the Rockford Files reboot pilot.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Philip Michaels, thank you so much for being here. Battle on, you network stars and Moises Chuyan, thanks for being
2: here Uh, thank you for having me Magnum 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 Magnum
1: Magnum John Hodgman will be here next week as the new host of The Incomparable and Josh Holloway will be his guest until then (laughs) uh, thanks everybody for listening thanks to my guests and we hope uh, we've uh, hey go watch these shows we talked about the originals are are generally pretty good too especially that Battle of the Network star anyway until next time on The Incomparable uh, I've been Jason Snell your host and I will continue to be see you next time Thank you.